to welcome you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ to his house. And it's good to see each and every one of you, especially Matt and Charmaine. Welcome. Let's, uh, as we prepare to hear the, uh, the message from Bud this morning, let's sing hymn number 30. Heavenly Father, we would invite the presence of your Holy Spirit to be with us, that we might hear the words that Bud has prepared to bring us closer to thee. In the name of thy Son, Jesus, amen. Good morning and welcome into the worship of Jesus Christ this morning. We're glad you're all here. And uh, the theme for today is stand fast on the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I was thinking about standing fast on the, on the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I was thinking, well, you know, what are the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thought, I'm going to boil it down to one word. It's Jesus. You know, that's 
That's the heart of it. And then it came to mind uh, the Apostles' Creed. I want to read that briefly just because I just love it. I just think it's, you know, it's a summary of what we believe as uh, believers in Christ. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That's a lot. And within the restoration, this is what I find as uh, given as the principles of the gospel. Faith, repentance, baptism, and the gift of the Holy Ghost by laying on of hands. Those four are the, uh, the principles that we try to embrace. As Christ uh, lived an example for us, and we have the record of his life here on earth, as he was living, uh, leaving and ascending into heaven, he said in John 14, 12, greater things than I have done will you do. And I've, you know, continued to just be in awe of that comment, that greater things than he did while he was here shall we do because he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. As he ascended, he says, I go to the Father to send you a paraclete, the companion, the Holy Spirit. All these four principles of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're all very important. And I would just simply say this, the most important one is the one you are in currently. And it's not just a one-time loop of uh, hearing the message and having faith and belief in Jesus Christ and then repentance and baptism. It just, it's, it's not that one-time loop that I would have liked to have experienced and, and been, you know, perfect from that moment when I first accepted Christ. We don't experience that. What we experience is, is more like a, it's more like a slinky. It's either going up in loops or it's going down in loops. But it's going and it's repeating. And we are called to repeatedly allow the Holy Spirit to examine us shine light on the things that God is currently calling us to repent from in order to be sanctified. Matthew 3.8, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. When I first heard that as a new Christian, I was going, what does that mean? And then somebody, uh, an older brother in Christ, simply explained, that is what I just said. It is examining your life to find what it is that stands right now between you and God so that you can deal with that in repentance and faith that the Holy Spirit can help you to overcome that. Just in the last year, I've, I've come to embrace a new way of thinking about this because there are some things that seem like they are just uh, sticky. You can't lay them down and leave them there. 
take them up to the foot of the cross and put them down. The next thing you know, you still got it in your hand a month or two later. That's a struggle. But there's a new saying that I've come to that I believe was a gift from the Holy Spirit to me personally. It's this. I've been delivered from that. When I am tempted to return into something that I know displeases God, that is my go-to line now. My response now is I've been delivered from that, and I try to stand on that. The, Holy, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life is to present us to God the Father as a clean and shining bride. And also the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sins so that we can repent and be sanctified. <clears throat> then if we're not wary, here's another experience that, that I think probably every one of us has had. If we're not wary, the enemy will attack us with a spirit of self-condemnation to cripple us. The Holy Spirit brings us awareness of our sins so that we can turn from it, we can repent, and we can be healed of it. And then once we're aware of it, it's like all of a sudden it becomes this oppressive thing that we find condemning. That's not the role of the Holy Spirit. That is a, an after encounter because there's this thing too. There's this balance of we have a divine encounter with God and there comes the balance of an attack by Satan. And it's not always in that sequence. Sometimes Satan will attack us because there's something good about to happen. He's trying to discourage us. <coughs> He's trying to discourage us enough that we will not stay faithful and receive the blessings that God wants for us. But when that enemy attack comes, this can cause us to speak doubt about our worth because of focusing on our own imperfections, clinging to the old and failing to embrace the new. That inhabits, inhibits our growth in spirit and diminishes our ministry. Two of Satan's best lies, uh, best tools are, one is lies, two is temptation to insecurity. And there's a flip side to this insecurity that's really, it's, it's kind of a contradiction, but it's not. It's like it's the opposite side of a coin. There's insecurity and there's pride. Those two things seem to be inseparably linked. Excuse me. It's still in recovery mode. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Thank you. All of that brings us to a point of how then do we stand fast on the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I think every one of us who comes into the sanctuary, we're here to embrace uh, the hope of a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And what we want is that divine connection that gives us hope that we don't have without it. Life can be extremely difficult and sometimes uh, we, we find that our faith is either tested and we come out stronger or if we are, are young in our Christian growth or there's some other thing that has happened that's more than we think we can bear, sometimes we allow that, uh, that test or that struggle or that pain to cause us to think God doesn't care about me. And when we have that, that 
opportunity to become self-focused and we fall into that trap, I would simply say this. All the evidence of his love is shown on the cross. Sometimes I have to work through that to get to the point to think everything we need, every promise he has given us is established upon his death on the cross and his resurrection. Those of you who knew my sister Elaine, uh, she called a family meeting when she was first diagnosed with MS when her children were, were in, in uh, probably in middle school. And uh, when she told us that she had MS, I just had this feeling immediately, she's gonna be healed. This is an opportunity for God to show his power of healing. And she first announced that the doctor says, says, well, you know, this is the least of the four. This is not the worst it could be. This is actually the least uh, dangerous, the, the least uh, threatening of the four different kinds of MS. And for the next remainder of her life, you know, we would meet and pray, and I would call together priesthood and, and lay hands and pray, and we would go and see... Um, ministers of other uh, interfaith denominations or non-denominational ministries that, that actually were experiencing gifts of the Holy Spirit and people were being healed. And I kept thinking, you know, this is not going to result in her death. She's going to be healed. And we, we stood on that. We, she claimed it. And, and finally, I'm sitting by her bed as she's dying. And, it, you know, what, what I expected didn't happen. And as she was in her last few moments, she would wake up for a second and look, and then just within seconds, she would go back unconscious. And so as I'm sitting there, you know, we're taking turns going and, and sitting by her uh, just individually. So she wakes up and she looks at me and, she's, and I see fear on her face. And I know it's because she knows I'm here because she's dying and she's losing the fight and it's imminent, it's right here, right now. And so then I just determined, you know, the best way to handle this is the next time she wakes up, she's gonna see me smiling. So she wakes up and she looks at me. I said, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. We're letting you free to go home. And then she was back out. Everything that she needs and needed at that moment had already been accomplished. I fell into the trap of thinking, I know what God wants. I still believe God wants healing more than he wants lack of healing. I don't understand the absence of our faith creating the miracles that we believe in. I'll just tell you right now, that's a mystery to me. But it doesn't change my faith in what Christ has done on the cross at all. And so when we go through things like that, how do we stand fast? I'm going to tell you right now, there's only one way we can do that. It's only with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as we welcome him into our life, into our personal body to, to be our companion 
welcoming him and obeying him. That's the only way we can stand fast because we cannot do it in our own strength. Proverbs 29:18 says, without vision, the people perish. I just want to ask you this. What's your vision? Sometimes we have to allow the Holy Spirit to retune that in us. If I had not been able to do that with the passing of my sister, if I hadn't been able to allow the Lord to retune that particular vision, that would have been crushing to me. And I had to simply say, you know, here's what I understand about healing at this point. It's done. It's done on the cross. It's either done immediately when we ask. It's done gradually through time. There's a, and there's instances where I've been prayed for by the elders of the church when I had pneumonia. I just got up out of bed and went into the bathroom, coughed up a bunch of junk, and I was well. I've seen it happen. I've Even not being an elder of the church, when my nephew was less than two years old, he had an earache and he couldn't sleep and he just cried and cried and we were, my sister Elaine and I, we were both on the road traveling. She was in her car and I was in mine and we were going. She started flashing her lights and I pulled over and she said, would you pray for, for Greg? He's in a lot of pain. He's got an earache. Went, they're on the shoulder of the highway. I went back and just put my hand on him and prayed for the Lord to heal him. And he immediately quit crying and went to sleep. I've seen other instances of healing. I'm not going to take a lot of time to rehearse all of those for you. I imagine that there are those of you here who have seen those things and experienced those things, have prayed for people and seen them healed, and it's the grace of God. It's the divine presence of the Holy Spirit being made manifest. What's your vision? I would simply say this. God has a vision for each one of us. He's got a vision for us as a community of believers. He's got visions that we just need to tap into. We need to allow him to define what our vision for ourselves should be because often we're just a step off the mark. I shared a story uh, of one of my, I don't know, I'm not going to call it one of my finer moments, but uh, I shared in here on a Wednesday night the story of me going skydiving. I want to share that just because there's a, there's a point in this that I think is critically important to understanding a part of this message. <clears throat> so I was going through a really difficult time. Fear was ruling my life. I was tired of being afraid of things that I shouldn't be afraid of, and I thought, i gotta, I got to fight fear. I'm going to have to address fear. And so I thought, what can I do that is just like taking fear head on? Well, I have a fear of heights. I mean, I have a real fear of heights. It's like if I get, you know, in an elevated position, I'm too close to an edge. It's like gravity comes around the corner and, and tries to grab me and pull me over. I mean, it is just weird. I cannot walk up to a, a I, one time I got on my belly and crawled up and looked over a 2,000 foot drop. And it just completely took away all my balance when I was laying down. I mean, I've, I've got a fear of heights. And so I thought, well, you know, I, I think I remember my sister, when she went through her divorce, she went skydiving. There it is. There's my therapy. So I went skydiving. Here's what happened when I was in the ground school before I went. 
so there's this big landing open pasture field next to the air, airport and uh, there's a pond on it and there's one tree. And so the people who were giving us the ground school said, now that tree out there, don't hit the tree. There's just one tree, it's easy to miss. He said, what we used to do was tell people, don't hit the tree. And people kept hitting the tree. I mean, how easy it to just hear, don't hit the tree, and not hit it. So finally they realized what we're doing is we're putting their focus on the tree. So they began to give the instruction of aim for the open field. If you land on the pond, just stand up. It's shallow. But aim for the open field. And they just mentioned the tree in passing, as I just did. Said, focus on the open field. And from that point on, nobody else hit the tree. It's a matter of what are we focused on. God has a vision for us. We need to ask God to help us redefine what that vision is so it can be his vision for us, which is much more divinely perfect than we can create ourselves. There's a book that I got from a, a, a speaker who came to uh, ORU when I was there in the chapel. It was a missionary who, had, as a, a young man around 18 or 19, he felt called to go to South America and he struggled with that. He tried to get a sponsor to fund it. He couldn't. He finally got enough money to go to South America, and he just went there. And he took up residence in one of the larger cities to learn the language. So he spent about a year just learning the language. And then he kept saying, who's the most primitive tribe on this continent? And there came a point in time where the answer was repeatedly the Mataloni Indians. They are murderous. Anybody who goes there gets killed. So that became his target. He kept moving closer and closer to where that tribe was, out in the middle of nowhere in the jungle. But he moved closer and learned the language of the dialect that was closest to them. And so about two years after he landed in South America, he felt like he was getting ready, you know, probably ready to go give it a try. He felt like the Lord was really calling him to do this. And everybody was saying, you are crazy. You're going to die. And so he went to uh, a couple of the natives of the tribe closest to the Matalonis that were just neighboring tribes. And he kept saying, guide me to them. And they kept saying, nope, not going to do it. You're going to die. So finally, he found two of them that for a price that they agreed on, he they would take him to the Matalone tribe. And they said, here's the way it's going to go. We're going to take off through the jungle. We're going to go, and uh, we're going to reach a point where we're going to tell you, do not speak. Make no noise. This will go for a couple of days. We'll be completely, totally silent as we journey through the jungle. Then you'll reach a point where you realize you're by yourself because we just left you there. You will not know when we go. You will just realize you're all alone. And then you will be killed. So he takes off, and he goes with them, and he gets out there into the jungle. And it's just like they said. We're going along, and then we say, okay, from this point, no more talking. We're going to be as quiet as we can be. Two days later, he's standing there by himself, and he gets shot with an arrow. Then he gets taken captive, and he gets taken back. I'm going too much detail here. I just love this story. 
Anyway, so he gets taken back and he's captive for about a year. And they're just tortured and said, well, tomorrow we'll kill you. But he can't even understand their language. So uh, he learns their language very slowly. And there's this young boy who is assigned to be his person who brings him food. And they become friends. And eventually, he's probably been there for a year or two, this young boy is digging a hole in the ground. And he's learned enough language that he's, he's understanding what the boy is, is yelling as he's digging this hole in the ground. He's saying, God, where are you? And so Bruce answers him and says, are you looking for God? He says, yes. He says, I can tell you about God. And he shares the gospel with him. And the boy receives it. And then his life is completely changed. The Holy Spirit indwells him. And then slowly, one by one, the rest of the tribe is converted. And they're no longer murderers. They're suddenly new Christians who, who their concept of Jesus Christ is he's a Madaloni Indian. He hunts the jungle with them because they have no preconceptions about who Jesus Christ is. He is simply their savior. And so the point of me telling you all of this is for you to have a little bit of backdrop for what's going on with this. So Bruce is away getting medicine for the, the, the little clinic he's trying to establish to take care of the people's health needs. And one of his good friends is in a, a group of hunters, and he's up in a tree trying to get a monkey. Now, that's food to them. Well, so he falls out of the tree and breaks his neck. So they load him in a canoe, and they take him to the nearest hospital, which is not very close. They get him to the hospital, and they take an x-ray, and say, yep, his neck's broken. So they put him in a bed and say, you must lay here and not move for three months. And his response was, I cannot do that. I cannot lay still for three months. I'd rather, I'd rather just die. So Bobby, the young man, goes in there and prays for him. And the next thing you know, he's up and walking around. And the people in the hospital are saying, you've got to get back in bed. And so then Bruce hears about this, and he goes back there, and he says to the doctor, well, stop trying to get him to just lay down. Take an x-ray and see what's happened. They took another x-ray, and his neck was completely good. It's like there was never a break. And so they're all excited. They're all celebrating. And Bruce says, it's a miracle. You know what their response was? Yes, it is. Jesus is in me. That was the miracle. Jesus is in me. And from that point, the things like the healing are simply manifestations of the divine presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the miracle. Once we understand that, everything shifts. So how do we stand fast on the principles of the gospel? By the presence of that powerful Holy Spirit indwelling us. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we pray that this be so in our lives. Father, we pray that uh, whatever stands between us and this loop through, of repentance and the gift of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We pray, Father, that whatever it is that stands between us and you, we would just lay at the foot of your cross and by the power of your redemptive pro process, Father, we pray that we might have a more intimate relationship with you. Father, we pray that whatever our vision is of who we are and what our service to you is to be, 
might be reconfigured to meet the, the vision that you have for us. Father, we love you. We devote ourselves to you. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will work within us to perform greater miracles than we have vision to believe for ourselves. That we might be of greater service to you in hoping to establish the kingdom here on earth. Father, we commit ourselves to that in faith that your Holy Spirit can accomplish what you have started long before we were born, but using us as tools in that endeavor now. And to that end, we commit ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn is going to be number 556. That's been changed to 557. <laughs> Our Heavenly Father, it was good to hear real examples of your Son's presence in the lives of those that trust in him. Thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and enjoy the fellowship of thy saints. Be with us as we leave this place. Let us travel in safety. In the name of thy Son, Jesus, amen.